0: Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the US, a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the US. This week, my guest is Dominic Chenard. Uh, Dominic and I met online. We were like chatting on forums, and she had a lot of information about all kinds of topics. I think we originally were talking about RSP investing, but I found out that. Dominique is also, I don't know if do we use the word expert, but he, she's, at least from, compared to me, she is the superstar expert on whole life insurance. Dominic, maybe tell people a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, so I'm Dominique. I'm from Thunder Bay, so up north in Ontario, if anybody's familiar. Uh, quite, a, quite a ways from Toronto area. And uh, so I work in the mutual fund and investment industry. I used to work as an accountant and a matured accountant as well, so that's my, where my background's from, and I made the switch to financial planning. So I love working with real estate investors, everyday families, and all kinds of people, and uh, yeah, I love helping them out.
0: Uh, how does participating in whole life insurance work? How is it different from life insurance at my work or term insurance?
1: Okay, so I'll just start with life insurance that most people have, so that's the one that you have through your work. For those of you that work and aren't quite self-employed real estate folks yet, uh, so you might have a policy at your work which covers you for one or two years' salary if you were to pass away. So the way that works, that gets paid out to your spouse or whoever else is your beneficiary, and typically you have that to make sure your family can keep their lifestyle, cover any debts that you may have so you're not leaving your spouse hanging, basically. Uh, downside about that is if you leave your employer then you don't have that insurance anymore and you got to go shopping around for a new one right. so that's that's the major downside there mm-hmm. if you know you're gonna keep your job for sure till you're age 65 then that might not be a concern for you and then uh, term policy similar idea so you have it for 10 20 maybe a little longer you know about 20 years and it's usually to cover a mortgage cover some debts and you uh, help out to cover part of your salary so that your spouse and your kids can maintain their lifestyle. Now, a whole life policy is quite a bit different, whole life participating, I'll use it interchangeably there. Um, So it grows a cash value. So you're paying a slightly higher premium, building a cash value, the death benefit goes up every year, just like your investments would, right? So like our policies, for example, have it growing five, 6% every year tax-free and um, so the way they work is everybody you know across Canada is putting in their premiums, they get invested, and then dividends are paid out to you through your policy. Yep. So that's what uh, grows the death benefit of your of your policy and then the cash value as well. So I wouldn't compare a whole life policy to, for example, your RSP or another investment that you may have. It serves a different purpose. It has a cash value, but you'll see the, bo- the most benefit out of those policies after about 15, 20 years from now. So it's really a long-term thing. Um, primary benefit is it pays out a nice death benefit tax-free to your beneficiary. And then you also can access it for a loan, use it as collateral later on as well. But uh, so in this case, the main uh, reason we're bringing up whole life is because it can be used to uh, pass on your estate if you have a few pieces of real estate. And that's a really big thing I bring up with clients, whether they have just a camp. Some people just have a camp, right? And they want to keep it in their family, but they don't realize that if they bought the camp 30 or 40 years ago, especially you know, in a nice area by a lake, it probably went up in value quite a bit. And you, if you leave your children with that camp, they might have to fork out you know 50 grand to keep the camp and your kids might not want that, right? Or they might not have 50 grand lying around, so they might just have to sell it. And that's not what you wanted, right? So it's really used in legacy planning. And if you wait till you're 80 to realize that you want to structure it that way, it's a little too late for life insurance there. So it's really, I use it to talk to clients about what they want with their properties. If all they want is to just sell them and off we go, then it's not so much of an issue, but it's it's oftentimes a good piece in their plan.
0: You mentioned that you're able to borrow from the policy. Yes. Is that immediately?
1: Yeah, so depending on the size of the policy, typically around the 10-15 year mark is when the cash value will be similar to what you put in, okay. so it'll be similar to the premiums that you've been paying in, so you can borrow from that. Yeah. Now. After about you know, 15, 20 years, depending on the policy, that's when the cash value starts being quite a bit higher than the premiums you've been paying. And that's when it's most beneficial to start borrowing from it. So the way you borrow differently than a bank is you're borrowing against yourself, borrowing against your own assets. So you pay it back when you want, There is an interest rate, you know, about 5% charge on it. But
0: you're paying yourself,
1: it's It's going to you. You're paying yourself the interest right? is what you're doing. So depending on your goals, you might want to borrow it. I mean, I've met a client before that borrowed against it to buy an island. That's kind of cool, right? (laughs) You know, you think people have to borrow because they're broke, but he was saying his RSPs are doing 12%, so it makes sense for him to borrow against his policy at five. And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no. I, uh, the first time to be honest that I ever heard about this, I thought, why would you put money into an, like a whole life insurance policy just to give it back to yourself? And I, I know this, I, I figured it out, but the, you know, the original thought was that it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't I just put it into something else, like some sort of other thing? And instead of giving it to my own whole life policy and then borrowing it back, I'd be like, well, what's the point? But, what I've learned from my minimal amount of learning <laughs> that I've done is it, it's almost it's in a smaller scale, but it's almost what the banks do whenever you give them like put a thousand dollars in your savings account and then they can loan it out 10 times. This is a way that you can put money into your whole life policy, earn interest on it and borrow, still have access to that money so that mm-hmm. you can go and do something else with it so you're. It's like you're double dipping. You can take your money and use it twice. Does that make, is that how, does that make sense that Yeah, Kinda. I get
1: where you're going there. And, yeah. and the main advantage is you shouldn't get a whole life policy just because you want to borrow from it later, right? But it's an option that you have. If yeah. you have a term policy or just, you know, a normal term life insurance policy, there's no cash value in there. If you cancel your contract, it's gone. There's nothing. Right. Cancel your whole life policy later, which is not not usually the best thing to do. But if you cancel it in thirty years, it's worth a lot of money. So you get a big lump cash benefit from it, right? Yep. And so when
0: you're when you're applying for loans in the states, part of the application process is it asks you what the surrender value of your whole life insurance policy mm-hmm. is, and they will count that towards like income or like you know money that you have uh, as collateral for the loan. Exactly. Can, they'll, they'll count it yeah absolutely why get whole life insurance why not just keep investing in my RSP and TFSA
1: yeah so there's different reasons for all kinds of accounts and I'm never telling people to do a whole life policy instead of investing for retirement right those should be two separate things so step one max your tax-free savings account now tax-free savings accounts are great you get to keep all the growth in your account except you can only save so much money in there, right? So as most of you know, you can save about five grand a year, 57,500 in total as of this year. Yeah. So once you have that maxed out, then you, know, you wanna use your RSPs, but if you have a pension at your work, then you don't wanna to have too much registered money. So there's a lot of different factors to consider, right? So if you're a teacher or a government worker, you don't wanna go crazy on your RSPs and have a bunch of registered funds, cause then, you know, it's going to cause a problem later. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I know. You're preaching yeah. to the choir. If you, I used to buy RSPs personally, as well as just getting them through my work. Now I just get them through my work because I have a match program. And mm-hmm. I, I try and preach this to my friends to put your money into a tax-free savings account because then you still have access to
1: it unless you're going over it. Then you start finding other spots. But that's right. Tax free is so flexible. You can have one for a little trip account. You know, you can yeah. have a, you can have like twenty tax free accounts if you want, as long as your max is kept below fifty seven thousand. You could have a separate one for your trips, a separate one for an emergency fund, a separate one for retirement, and all be invested in different things. That's what a lot of people don't realize. They think it's just a high interest savings account that's tax free. And no, you could be invested in all stocks and you're tax free, right?
0: Right, and like. People always say, "Well, you're going to get taxed less on your RSP because it's done in the future when you're retired and poor." And I don't know about you, but I plan to be more wealthy than I am now when I retire.
1: And that's another thing, right? <laughs> a lot of us are in that situation where yeah. I see myself being having quite a higher income in ten years and at retirement than I do right now. So RSPs are not the most optimal for me in the stage of my life right now but not everybody's there. Right. So an example, someone that's at a job where they're making six figures and they know they're going to be pretty much there for the next 20 years and then retiring then, okay, RSPs might work for them again if they don't have a big pension. So it's, it's a very, you know, case by case thing. So yeah, so I'll just go back to what I was saying. So there's your tax, free savings is yes. your RSP and then otherwise you've got unregistered investments, right? So, yes. you know, non-registered investments, So you got some investments in there, you make some money. Let's say you make some interest income that year of 10 grand and your account is doing quite well. So now you're taxed on that at your tax rate, which if you have a high tax rate, you're giving half of that money to the government. Now in a whole life policy, if you got dividends on your policy, you're not paying anything. You're not paying any tax, right? So your policy is growing. You're not paying tax on the growth and then it gets paid tax-free to your beneficiary, no probate fees, no nothing. So that's where if you're already using your tax-free, you're already using your RSP. you've got, you've got a good pension, you don't foresee a huge need for cash and you're making more than you're spending already. Then a whole life policy is a really good option to consider, especially when you're young and healthy. And especially if you're looking to, uh, have a real estate portfolio and not too sure what you want to do uh, legacy-wise at that point.
0: What is a good amount
1: to spend on life insurance? So that's very different for every investor and it really depends on your legacy goals. So if you want to pass a few properties on to your kids, then maybe think about what are going to be the capital gains on those properties. If you have no idea, then just talk to somebody that's familiar with capital gains. You know, Typically, um, if you're familiar with them, about half of the gain is taxable and then it's taxable at your tax rate. So the max you're really gonna have to pay in Ontario will be just over 25% of the growth of your property. Now, what's that growth gonna be 30 years from now? You know, if you're 50 and you're looking to see where it would be when you're 80, we have no idea, right? So always foresee that there's gonna be inflation and uh, the need will be larger at that point. Uh, and like i said whole life uh, whole life policy doesn't replace your equities or your real estate investments i'm not telling you to ditch real estate and go and get a large whole life policy i'm saying it has a piece in everybody's portfolio
0: i know i and, totally, uh, I, I have whole life insurance policy myself and mm-hmm. i bought it originally for like you know my wife sort of trade off so that we'd uh, if something happened to us the house would be paid off that's that's what yeah. we did and You know, as we grow and I get real estate and there'll be, like you're talking probate fees, land transfer, you know, whatever whatever you're doing in the future just to have money that someday my kids will get. And it actually has a beneficial side to it because I I think I pulled out four grand out of it last year just because I could. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's a great tool to have in your tool belt. There's a lot of different ways to do everything, and doing one way is... I don't know. It's short-sighted. You need to be doing a lot of different ways to, in order to optimize everything you can possibly do.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's it's really huge in estate planning, and especially if you get it ahead of time, right? Like I, I've got some clients, for example, that might have some an estate prop. Uh, sorry, a real estate property, and you know they want one of their kids wants the property, and the other kid doesn't really want the property but you know they want to leave their kids something right if they leave one kid with the property the other kid needs something if you don't have a lot of cash to give them then if you get a whole life policy and balance out the estate then that's how it's done right so your policy bypasses your estate goes straight to your beneficiary everything's kept confidential doesn't go on your will or anything like that so it's a really good way to balance things out that way you leave your business to one kid and a whole life policy to the other
0: yeah and uh I know for cost wise the the whole life is more expensive than the term but mm-hmm. the reason is, is it gets paid out no matter what cuz its whole life you'll eventually die and the term doesn't necessarily even ever pay it expires right
1: Right so your term is really protecting yourself against that risk in the next 10 20 years right yeah. when you've got a family growing you have some young kids And it would be really tragic if one of you were to pass away, right? So you're protecting yourself against that risk. It's definitely not an investment in that sense, but it can make a huge difference in someone's family. I'm sure you've known somebody, you know, in your circle or an acquaintance that's had a tragedy happen to them like that. And a whole life policy, or not a whole life policy, a term policy would make a big difference there and just allow them to stay in their home and maintain their lifestyle.
0: If someone wanted to find more information about this, where would they go?
1: So, they should go to their financial advisor if they've got one already. If you don't, I really recommend you get an advisor. Somebody that you talk to at least once a year, give them an update on your whole financial plan, you know, what your goals are, what your investments are like, where they should be like, do you have insurance. So really just get an advisor. If you don't have one, uh, just shoot me a message. My number is 807-620-6590 and we'll put my email in the show notes as well and so I work out of Thunder Bay, but I do travel to Southern Ontario for work. I'm going there in the fall, actually, for a uh, real estate conference there for Ontario landlords. So that should be pretty fun.
0: Oh, are you well, going to that one? I will see you there. Yeah. Just to give another like self plug for Dominic, it, it's it's good to find someone if you're in a real estate, like if you're doing real estate investing and you're looking for a financial advisor. It's I would advise to find a financial advisor that does real estate investing as well, so that they have the same mindset and they, they can put your stuff together the same way. So I would say get Dominique or get someone who is in real estate investing as well because it, it's just helpful because sometimes they don't have the same perspective at all because they're going to just sell you what they sell you.
1: <laughs> That's right. There's all kinds of people in the industry and find someone that has similar goals to you and that actually has the knowledge to back it up, right? All right, thanks for coming on the show, Dominic. All right, thanks a lot.